Welcome to the oh, hey there. podcast episode 20, a Victory Monday edition. We're not recording on Tuesday morning because I have to go to work super early tomorrow. And uh, we'll get this one out of the way. As we are recording, the Seattle Seahawks fall to 3-8 and eight and are dead last in the division. So that is a plus. So not only do we have Victory Monday for the 49ers, we also can celebrate the Seattle Seahawks losing late uh, to the Washington football team in a game that didn't really seem as close as it ended. 15 to 17 for Seattle, um, who fall to three and eight and literally are probably out of the playoff hunt, which is great. The 49ers do take on the Seahawks this coming week, but we are here to recap the 49ers' big, 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 big win. I can use the P word this week, Leo. The 49ers are the sixth seed in the playoffs. Sixth seed in the playoffs. Wow. So, how many games are they away from the fifth seed, the number one wild card spot? One. And look at us. So many people thought this team was dead, you know, fish out of water. Shanahan found his footing. This team found its footing, and we're back, baby. Hey, doesn't it feel great? Feels great, baby. Absolutely feels great, baby. <laughs> um, the 49ers are 6-5. and five. They did uh, pull off the win uh, on Sunday uh, against the Vikings. Vikings came in hot. The 49ers came in hot. The 49ers were the better team on Sunday and prevailed. Jimmy Garoppolo had himself... A decent game after a slow, sluggish start. Elijah Mitchell is an absolute stud. Debo Samuel, before his injury, was having himself a field day. And Brandon Ayuk nearly cracked 100 yards again. Hopefully, with the Debo news, Ayuk will be targeted a little bit more. We see a little bit more activity for Brandon Ayuk, who might crack the 1,000-yard mark if he keeps getting these targets. Um, early on, I was nervous, right? Jimmy starts with the interception. And then they score off the it, it. It was one of those games like, oh, it's that game. Walk me through that, Leo, because I was a little irritated with that interception. It's funny because uh, a podcast I like to listen to is the Pat McAfee podcast. Can't listen to it all because it's like three hours a day. Just don't have the time for it. But I did listen to the Aaron Rodgers interview when he was talking about the loss to the Minnesota Vikings, it's, you know, obviously the 49ers are coming to play the Minnesota Vikings. Let me listen. And something he spoke about was that Harrison is one of the best in the NFL when it comes to disguising his coverage. One of the best, number 22. And when that first drive was happening, next you know, Jimmy Garoppolo over the middle throws the interception to Harrison. And I'm just, it just took me back to that interview of, well, when I was listening to it, hoping Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't fall for the disguised coverage. And then when it became the reality, I was like, man, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that happened to open up the game. And honestly, the two times that the 49ers played them, Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't thrown an interception to 22 in both of those matchups. Um, But eventually he felt victim to one of the best safeties we've seen in this past decade, and um, you know what? It's, it's just an all-pro, making all-pro plays. The first quarter was just horrendous by Jimmy Garoppolo, but luckily he found his footing in the game. Um, that first drive, it was too many high passes. They had opportunities there. He was oversailing them. Um, it, was a, it was a little bit of a slow start, but not entirely because they made it a 7-7 game pretty early they didn't let it bleed into say 14-0 because minnesota did get a touchdown right after yeah. pretty quick as well so um 
I think that touchdown drive was just super, super important to tie it up at seven. And then same thing to go into the half tied up at 14. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo finished today 17 to 26, 230 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Um, that interception was didn't cost the 49ers a game or anything like that. Uh, but we did hear Kyle use the word inexcusable on that interception. Also, Kyle took a little bit of blame on the play call itself. Um, it's one of those you have to know, Jimmy. Hey, get it down to your check down. If you don't see anything, you just throw it away. Uh, you can't have those kind of mistakes versus better teams. The Vikings are a fairly decent team, um, but you saw Kyle kind of take the ball out of his hands in that in the next drive. So I think it was two passes for Jimmy Garoppolo on that next drive. So, you know, the, the Niners overcame that 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 blunder and continued on with the game and kind of gave the hands, gave the ball, they gave the game to Elijah Mitchell, who had 27 carries for 133 yards and one touchdown. Leo, you've been preaching to me for the last couple weeks, gave Elijah Mitchell 25-plus carries, and the Niners have done so in back-to-back weeks. It's easy. That's the winning formula of the 49ers, and it's it's not rocket science. Uh, When you can make those things happen, make it happen. It's They had 39 carries for the entire game to 26 passes. That is how you win. Um, and then you're able to take up 37 minutes of the game clock. We saw what, what Seattle did tonight. They had the ball for less than less than what Minnesota had the ball this past game, and the 49ers had a plus 14 minute in time of possession. That's how they're going to win games, and that's how you potentially beat Seattle as well and make it a, a fourth game in the row. I'm not satisfied with just three. So you got to continue that winning formula. Obviously, the hand with Elijah Mitchell is really good because we didn't see any ball security issues with him. Uh, we didn't see him rubbing his hand or or anything in that fathom. And they won the turnover battle. They turned over the ball first, and yet they won the, won the turnover battle, and that's what it came to. Uh, in this warning formula for the 49ers, it's, it's kind of like X plus Y equals Z. Yeah, X is running the ball. Y is time and possession. And I guess these no turnovers. Um, I don't know. I'm not a math major, but with with this team, that's what you need to see. They're two and zero when Elijah Mitchell carries the ball. Uh, was it twenty times or more? And then five and one when he carries the ball at least seventeen times. So no more games. I'm gonna keep saying it. No more games like the Arizona one where you just got out of your winning formula and Elijah Mitchell ends the game with only eight carries. No, feed this guy, especially with Debo out. With Debo out, you you do need to get Mitchell that same reps. I, I can't really sit here and say get Elijah Mitchell more carries because that's that's irrelevant at this point based on the past two weeks and the workload he's been carrying with that. It's like 27 carries. I cannot say give him more carries at that point. Um, but, yeah, there's, you know, maybe, maybe a little more Jeff Wilson um, or maybe a little more Brandon Ayuk to replace that Debo Samuel role because – you can do it. Maybe, maybe you prefer it with the jet sweep instead, because not too. I don't think you could plug and play Ayuk at that running back position like you can with Debo Samuel. Um, but get creative with it. And I think if there's any one coach in the NFL that could get creative with Brandon Ayuk carrying the ball, it will be Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, absolutely. We've seen how creative Kyle's gotten with the Debo package or whatever you want to call that package, with how they're running this outside zone or stretch. Run game with Debo Samuel. Debo's been kind of converted to a running back at this point. 
I would like to, going forward, like to see him still back in the route tree as opposed to running the ball. But I get why they're doing it. Makes sense. Um, either way, Debo Samuel will be out versus Seattle Seahawks, along with Fred Warner. Debo and Fred are expected to miss one to two weeks. Uh, Debo with a groin injury and Fred with a hamstring issue. Um, to finish off on the Elijah Mitchell thing, Elijah Mitchell has four games of, of, of over 100 yards rushing. Uh, that is, he has surpassed Billy Kilmer uh, with three in 1961 for the most games with 100, 100 yards rushing among 49er rookies since 1950. So Elijah Mitchell has done something not even Frank Gore has done. So that is outstanding with what Elijah Mitchell has done so far. Um, I had his stats pulled up here real quick. The four games that he's had over 100, week one against the Detroit Lions, 19 rush attempts for 104. Week seven uh, was 18 attempts for 107 against Indianapolis. Week eight, 18 attempts for 137. And then this past week, 27 attempts for 133 and a touchdown. Elijah Mitchell has been a workhorse back, right? And he's well on his way to 1,000 yards this year while missing three games. So imagine what he would look like with three games that he missed. So Elijah Mitchell is averaging 4.8 yards per carry on 143 rush attempts and 693 on the season. We should hope that this is the first 1,000-yard rusher under Kyle Shanahan since he's been here, which is kind of blows my mind that the Niners haven't had a 1,000-yard rusher under Kyle um, with all the backs. Breida, Carlos, Mostert, you know, they, they get these runs from these running backs that uh, they're in spurts, right? They're not a full 16 games with uh, with Kyle Shanahan or now 17. But Elijah Mitchell is well on his way to 1,000 yards, I would agree, I would believe. Like you said, it's been spurts with different guys under Kyle Shanahan. Uh, last season was Jeff Wilson. The year before that was Raheem Moster. And even in that 2019 year, it was Matt Breida the first four games. Then Tevin Coleman the, the next four games. And then Raheem Moster the next four games. Um, that's how it's always been under Kyle Shanahan offense. But Elijah Mitchell has has taken the role and, no pun intended, ran away with it. And for a guy showing that maturity as a rookie, someone we saw – in fact, at the Senior Bowl when we went, only if we knew then, hey, this guy is going to have a 1,000 yards with the 49ers next year. Let's get him on a podcast. You know, maybe that would have been good to think about. I interviewed the wrong name back. <laughs> hey, I was thinking Najee Harris about the Senior Bowl. But I, mean, I was way more off at that point. But, man, you – Well, I mean, you, I think – I was going to say, I, th- I think we both had the right running back, just the wrong team. Like, I, you had Najee, I had Khalil Herbert – I should have focused more on Elijah Mitchell. But, hey, first time there, you live and learn, right? Exactly, exactly. And, you know, uh, obviously he has those Shanahan tendencies with the blazing speed, good vision, and he's able to just burst. Uh, We've said it before, he's not Raheem Mostert, but he gives you the most Raheem Mostert-like abilities than anybody else on this team. Um, But last week I said Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't it continue his 100 rating quarterback rating man i was off by less than 10 he finished with 90.2 if he doesn't throw that interception i i'm probably out here eating a eating a slice of cake at this point because that would be the first time in his career where he had over 100 rating uh quarterback rating that is but i want to ask you something real quick javi Mm -hmm. with demos samuel's injury last season 
in his absence, the 49ers went three and seven, four games under 500. He's ba- he's been the MVP of this team so far during these first 11 games. He's the MVP second in the NFL in all-purpose yards, 10 touchdowns. He's the MVP of this team. So who needs to step up in his absence? Who is that guy? Is it the quarterback? Is it the running back? Is it the tight end? Is it an additional receiver? Obviously, there's no wrong answers in this. But who who's your guy that you're gonna look at and be like, all right, man, you gotta you gotta put the workload on, you gotta put on your hard hat, and you just gotta go to work. You gotta eat, and you gotta be that dude. So uh, before we recorded, I said one player. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's three people: Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle. Let's start with Kyle. Kyle's been creative this entire time with the way he uses Debo Samuel. He's going to have to be a little bit more creative and trustworthy in his quarterback to allow him to throw the ball, right? Whether there's a mistake or not, you have to allow Jimmy Garoppolo to throw the ball a little bit more. Jimmy Garoppolo, you need to execute better on your early throwing downs, first and second down. Start fast. We saw this week he started off bad. He Well, not bad. He was very inaccurate to start the game against the Vikings. A lot of high throws. We saw the interception. We saw the miscues. We saw the mistakes. We saw the happy feet from Jimmy Garoppolo. Settle down. You are going into Seattle. Try to be settled here. You're going to need this win um, because you're going to. If you win this game against Seattle, you bury the Seahawks. Season over. They they blow it all up. And I think that's a bigger part of this whole story here. But Jimmy, we need you to be accurate to start the game, right? We need you to be efficient, consistent, and know where you're going with the ball before you let it go. Um, George Kittle. And I don't think this is any any George Kittle issue. I just think Kyle is going, this is where it all gets together here. Kyle and Jimmy, get the ball in your playmaker's hands. Ayuk, I understand he's going to get his targets. He's probably going to smoke all the corners on Seattle because they all stink. But I'm looking at Bobby Wagner, uh, Brooks, and Jamal Adams. Those guys can cover fairly decently, except for Adams. You're going to need to get your conversions with George Kittle. You're going to need him to get the yards after the catch. So those three are going to have to step up in the absence of Debo Samuel because Debo is giving you everything. Run game, blocking in the run game, receiving yards, yak, you name it, he's doing it all. Um, and just the threat of Debo Samuel in the backfield or the motions gets teams all confused. So I think it's three things. Kyle, Jimmy, and George have to step up this week versus Seattle, who is not playing well. Either way, Russell Wilson is still 15-4. and four against this 49ers team in his career, or this franchise, excuse me. So I need those three guys to step up. I think that's a long-winded answer, but I think it's, I honestly think that's the truth here. You you, you need more from your quarterback. I've, I've been watching Jimmy Garoppolo these last few weeks. Yes, he's played okay, but you need more from Jimmy. And I also need a little bit more from Kyle from the trust factor. Like, I get it. You want to tear into Jimmy Garoppolo after an interception. You also have to let this guy throw the ball a little bit more here. Depending on the run as much as you have, eventually someone's going to sell out on that completely and you won't be able to do it. And now with Debo out, how do you get those long stretch zone runs? Because Elijah hasn't hit those. So now you're going to need to throw the ball. So Kyle, trust your quarterback. Jimmy, trust your playmakers. And Kittle, make some plays. So basically what you're looking for is a love triangle. Yes, an entanglement (laughs) of sorts. An entanglement, a love triangle, however you want to define it. Yeah. You know, um, my fantasy team would love George Kittle to step up and and make these plays. And um, he had a 100-yard game the week before. 
so he George Kittle is someone who is more than capable to just go off any given week. We talked about him uh, reaching a thousand yards last uh, last podcast, saying that he, he, the 49ers could basically be seeing two thousand yard receivers. Obviously, Debo's there now. George Kittle would be the other one. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with that. Or Brandon Ayuk, I, I think he's already stepped up. 91 receiving yards this past game, uh, almost 100 yards the game before. So he's already stepping up. He's already doing his job. Um, he's getting in the end zone like he did in Jacksonville. So he's he's there. He's doing he's doing that. Um, it's going to be George Kittle, your offensive captain, the, the guy, your spark, your energy, the guy you paid the highest tight end. Uh, out of any player in the NFL at that position. So it's got to be him. And looking back at this this Vikings game, yes, Russell Wilson is in a funk. There, there's no way around it. He does know the 49ers pretty well, though. Like you said, 15-4 and four this season. And he did figure out this 49ers defense in the second half already on the road. Um, how concerned are you at this secondary? Because when I'm looking at it, there, there's two drives that stood out to me. It was both on the Thielen drives. The first touchdown, K1 came over in the shift, uh, with Osborne moving to the different other side of the offensive line. And he moved to the outside when he, when he, he moved outside of Thielen, when he did that, Emmanuel Mosley picked him up. And it looked like it may have been man coverage at that point. Um, or it may have been some type of zone. But basically, it's Emmanuel Mosley got the outside guy. And what K1 did is he went over to Osborne as well. And then he ended up covering nobody. Because Emmanuel Mosley picked up Osborne. And Thielen was left alone all in the slot. You could, you know, rewind this play even from the TV view if you'd if you'd like. And then Thielen's left alone in the slot, crosses inside. It was basically like a double slant from from Thielen and Osborne. And K1 covers nobody. Jimmy Ward notices Thielen late, and then Thielen gets the touchdown uh, because nobody got on him at the line of scrimmage. And instead, like I said, K1 was covering no one. The second touchdown pass, once again to Thielen, he, he's in the slot similar to the first touchdown. Um, but yet this was play action. Mosley takes Jefferson on a drag route across the field. Jimmy Ward is paired with Mosley this time, but Mosley, or excuse me, Ward picks up Conklin running a, a, a drag route across the field and then bends it up on the sideline. And Hufunga's in single high safety and just gets beat by Adam Thielen. Those are two plays that you got to do better at in that position. There's no reason. One of the best slot corners in the NFL and Kwan Williams should be covering Casper on a goal line play. And then there's no reason for Hufanga to be high, at high safety. Keeping keep in mind, Kyle's talking about development, and that's why that's why Trey Lance isn't playing. But yet he has Tart on the sideline and Hufanga playing high safety, yet Hufanga just gets flat out beat by Adam Thielen, where it's like 10 yards of separation. It's concerning. It's concerning, um, especially when you're playing to a quarterback like Russell Wilson. When he's on, he's on. But 
besides that game, it's concerning moving forward, considering this team, yes, we could talk about the P word, which is playoffs. It will be concerning in playoff times if, if they're having these lackluster assignments, unexecuted plays. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't I don't like Hufanga in coverage like at all, like ever, to be quite honest. Um, so the single high look for him is not something that I want him to be doing consistently. Um, the play you're talking about, I'm watching it right now as we're recording. You know, you have three guys, four guys on two, but then Jimmy Ward has to flip his hips to take on the tight end Conklin at the 10-yard line. So you end up with three on two and Hufanga covering um, Jefferson, and then Thielen comes literally right behind Emmanuel Mosley, and no one picks him up. So there there looks to me like there was some miscommunication there, and that's been an issue for the Niners in the secondary miscommunication and, of course, the PIs. So, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm concerned with the 49ers secondary. They're not playing terrible, but these game, you know, these things like this is something that you can get caught up in. And this is where Kwaski Tart is so valuable, right? He knows where to be and how to be or how to play these these routes, these two crossers, which end up turning into like some kind of weird, I, I don't even know what the route is called here, but Thielen carries it all the way up the seam. And, you know, Kirk Kirk almost missed him, but Kirk ends up with a touchdown. So I agree. Secondary is a concern with Metcalf, with Lockett, with Swain, and Russell is still a much better quarterback than, than Kirk Cousins. However, Russ has been pretty bad. Russ hasn't seen the field well all season. So the Niners should be able to keep some of this stuff contained um, going forward. This was just, to me, this was a really bad miscue. And I, I just don't really like Hufanga at that single high position. To me, Hufanga is still a special teamer. To me, Hufanga is a guy who's just going to be a situational safety, you know, in a big dime look or a big nickel look. I don't, I don't really care for him in coverage. I'd rather him be in run defense. Now he did make a nice play late in the game in coverage. Um, but for the most part, he's usually out of position from what I can tell. So that's, that's part of it. I'd rather have Tartan Ward back there. Yeah, that's I'm pro Shanahan. I've been ever since, you know, the struggle before they get on, on this winning four out of the last five streak. Um, definitely pro Shanahan. I'm just trying to understand why is Tart on the sideline? Hufunga's playing single high yet Norman gets rep after rep after rep after rep, and we don't see Diamador Lenore. That's, like, we could throw Trey Lance out the window at this point. We, like, let's, because comparing a safety to a quarterback is just, you can't do that. But yet, let's let's compare a struggling corner to a rookie corner that showed potential, and it's not the same parallel that we're getting. No, I understand. It's uh, it is frustrating. I don't understand what they're what they're thinking here is with Hufanga in coverage so much. That's just that's the concern. Metcalf and Lockett, those guys are coming into town, so that's that's a big deal. Now the Niners did win this game, so we, we're just nitpicking at this point. Yeah, and ultimately the defense did, they did step up. It was twenty points loud against them. Uh, because keep in mind, one of them was I'm not going to count the kickoff return as against the defense. Um, so 20 points allowed against this defense while Kirk Cousins was on the field. Yet the three previous games, they 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 scored, uh, what was it, 27 points minimum against the defenses. And we're talking about a Baltimore defense. We're talking about a Chargers defense. And we're talking about a Green Bay defense. And the, and the 49ers elevated their play above those three defenses, which are 
top defenses in this league. So shout out to the defense. They did step. They don't win this game without the defense, no matter how well uh, Elijah Mitchell played, Debo Samuel, uh, Brandon Ayuk. Despite their performances, they don't win this game if the defense doesn't step up the way they did. I'm just looking at two touchdowns that it's, you know, that's 14 points right there that you you can't have those miscues in playoffs. And who knows, you know, maybe playoffs gets here. The 49ers are, are still in the picture or maybe they, they've fallen out, whatever it may be. But if they do get to that point, maybe Hufanga's not in there at playing single high and, and playing a developmental role. So that's also something to, you know, for myself to think about. They did have three drives without Fred Warner, who's not going to be playing this upcoming game. And the defense without Fred Warner on the field recovered a fumble had a goal line stop, and ended the game on downs. What more can you ask for from this defense without having number 54 on the field? Literally nothing more. Yeah, so let's talk about the defense still. So the, the defense did their thing. Two turnovers. The Niners had the initial turnover, the Jimmy Garoppolo interception. The Niners still win the turnover battle 2-1. to one. Two big plays by guys who were undrafted. This is, a, this is I think, this is a staple of the 49ers I know we gave the Niners crap about their draft selections, but I will say they've done very well with the undrafted free agent market, right? We all know about Breida, Kendrick Bourne, and those guys. Aziz Ashahir, Kevin Gibbons. Aziz has come in and had an outstanding season since Dre Greenlaw's injury, and I, for one, have been on the Aziz train for weeks. Even in camp, that this guy was potentially better than Dre Greenlaw. Now, you can argue that Greenlaw has had some bigger moments. That's fine. He's played in those games. So, of course, those bigger moments are going to be amplified because he had the opportunity to play in those games. Aziz has made... Aziz had a humongous interception in this game when the 49ers needed it. Right? They needed that. That was part of the 49ers scoring 21 points in four minutes. The Niners scored a touchdown. Um... Before half, they come out of half, score a touchdown, interception, Niners score a touchdown again. So that's three touchdowns in under four minutes of, of game time, right? Humongous play. Kevin Givens, the Niners gave up a kickoff return for a touchdown. Niners get the ball back. They punt. Vikings have the ball again. One play. Kevin Givens smokes the guard, forced the fumble on Dalvin Cook. Niners are back in business. They end up scoring three points off of that. The Niners had two turnovers and got 10 points off turnovers from two undrafted players who have played decent roles so far this season. Aziz primarily, especially with the interception and how many snaps he has taken in place of Dre Greenlaw. Going forward, the Niners have themselves a very good problem with this linebacker room when it comes to decision time on paying one of these two guys and seeing what they might be able to get via trade for a green law. Either way, it's a great problem to have three good linebackers on this team, Fred, Aziz, and Dre. It, it reminds me of when they had Quan Alexander here and Greenlaw stepped in and played for Quan Alexander. And the question was, does Greenlaw stay in a, as the, the Sam linebacker and, and, or excuse me, does Greenlaw stay in at, at will and, and Quan going at Sam? And now look where we are two years later. The question is, does Aziz staying at will and Greenlaw going at Sam? Um, but I, I think at this point, you gotta go you gotta go with Aziz. 
what he's shown you, he, he's getting better and better with the more challenges he's receiving from this defensive staff. Um, something that was talked about was Greenlaw was he has the best closing speed on the defense. Well, Aziz to, seems to have pretty solid closing speed, and yet he looks like he has more uh, more instinct on the field. He's not, you know, failing the wrong gap in, in run assignments or you know things of that sort. He looks he looks more built to take on a full time will linebacker role than than Greenlaw at this point. And ultimately, like you did with Quan, it's if they're not a hundred percent, why force him out there to take on? these high percentage snaps of, of eight, you know, 80 plus percentage of the defense. If you're playing a Sam Likebacker position, you're probably going to be more of a, say 20%, 30% of, of snap counts. So get a, get, get Greenlaw in there slowly. Let him play Sam, let him get his footing again. Let him trust uh, his injury and, and move on from it rather than just forcing him to play will when you have Aziz at a, playing at a high level and it's going to be interesting to see what happens this week with 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 Warner out yeah so with Warner out it looks like it's going to be Aziz and DFF Demetrius Flanagan Fowles in at linebacker this week and then Marcel Harris and then you'll probably see some big nickel with uh Hufanga out there um so we'll see how this goes you know this is Russell Wilson and the Seahawks regardless of what the record is they always show up um versus the Niners they this this game this week to me was you know a sign of a, po- a lot of positives right the Niners bounced back after some adversity we all we all questioned hey could they play from behind they played from behind they came back they tied the game after mistakes they had some stupid penalties you know they they are growing in front of us and they're getting better and they're learning to get better and they're playing better um, I am almost all the way back on the hype train for the 49ers. I just don't get on it. Still have, get on it. I hype train, concerns. baby. Choo, I have choo. my concerns. Come on, man. <laughs> I have my concerns. my concerns. My concerns are really just with the 49ers passing game. And that's, that's, that's really it. That's what's really concerning me still. The 49ers passing game. I think Jimmy Garoppolo's only completed three or four passes over 20 yards in the last four or five weeks, you know, you're going to need more. And I, I, I feel like with the Niners are going to need more from Jimmy Garoppolo in the next two weeks. And it's just like, can we trust him? Right. Can Kyle trust him? Can I trust him? Can we get him to do 35 pass attempts if need be? And that's the concerning part here um, on the road in Seattle, who probably might have an empty stadium because we know how they get down up there. Um, so it, it's just, <laughs> That's where I'm at right now. Like, I don't want to get too high on this team and then just be let down. I just, I'm holding my breath. If they beat Seattle on Sunday, then, then, all right, then maybe I'm going to be like, all right, let's, do we have a chance at an NFC title game? Like the NFC championship game. Can we get there? We all have our concerns, but outside of the Packers, who's really, you know, got their foot on the gas pedal that's just, head and shoulders past everybody in the NFC. Who's really like that? I, I think the Packers are, are legit. Their defense looks a lot better. Didn't it against the Vikings. So uh, ultimately, who knows what shows up? Cardinals, I, I still have my trust. How's Kyler back after the injury? That's something we still haven't seen. Is he going to be the MVP caliber Kyler, or is he going to fall off? 
and and not be that guy. With the Buccaneers, they're they're pushing six and six. If if their division was more competitive, they may not even be in a uh, a division lead right now. Actually, the 49ers have a better record at six and five than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Cowboys have they ever been trusted since '95? No. So it's you know obviously different different coaching, different quarterback, but it's what have they really shown you? They haven't they haven't had a playoff run with Dak Prescott and and Ezekiel Elliott era. They haven't. The 49ers have with their with their roster with plenty of players just two years ago had a deep playoff run. So the 49ers they have more more history than the Cowboys. They they've been there. They ultimately didn't win it, but they've been there. Um, so it's, it's, it's anybody's race in the NFC. It's anybody's race. Well, I'm going to start listening to you more, Leo, because you said the 49ers will go three and one in November. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, they did lose the Cardinals. Then they beat the Rams, beat the Jags and then beat the Vikings. So the Niners have scored over 30 points in three straight games, uh, for the first time since 2013. It's a big deal. 31. 30, and then 34, so they've scored a total of 95 points in three games. That's huge, right? So that's 95 points to 46. So 95 and 95 to 46 over the last three games. The so 49ers have been absolutely dominant um, in their last three games. Outside of that stupid Cardinals game, man, man, that Cardinals game. We could have been talking about, a, yeah, we could have been talking about a five-game win streak right here. We could have been talking about a five-game winning streak. Instead, they've won four out of five. And that Cardinals game, man, it, it probably has them at the fifth seed right now and, and one game away from the division. I'm sorry. Yep. I'm sorry to throw that reality at you, but that would have been it. Um, you would mm-hmm. have been right there within the, with, what, two division games left. Could have potentially only had, what, one, two division losses and, and finished out the division at four and two. If you take care of business yeah. this Sunday and take care of business week 18. So, um, you know, it's unfortunate. N- not not everything's, you know, not every Super Bowl champion. I'm not saying the 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl. I'm not that crazy. Come on, guys. We still have plenty of weeks left. But six to, I'm just saying. Six to go. Yeah. Like, you know, the Buccaneers, they weren't, they didn't win their division last year. It's They got hot. And right now the 49ers are hot. It's just plenty of football left on the table, but I like the position they're in. That's why I'm on the hype train, man. That's why I'm on it. So Niners on a three-game win streak. Can they run the table the rest of the way? So the the final schedule for the 49ers, we know they have Seattle. They go to the Bengals. Then they have Atlanta, and they travel to the Titans, home for Houston, travel for the Rams. How many of the remaining games do they win here, Leo? I I said what five and two with seven games remaining. Um, I'm gonna stick to my guns and and say four and two moving forward. Where are the losses? It's it's obviously like the things could be different, things could change. Um, I'm gonna say it would be maybe the Bengals just because that's on the road and. I think they could take care of business in Seattle the way they played, but I wouldn't be surprised if it went the other way around. Um, I think they take care of business at home against Falcons. I think they take care of business against the Titans. They, they just got smoked by the by the Patriots. Um, I think they take care of business 
of the Texans at home. The Texans just lost at home to the Jets, so that shouldn't have an issue. And then the Rams at the Rams. It's I th- I think it's going to be the Bengals in one of these division games. That that's ultimately what I think. I'm going to stick to my guns. I said five and two. I said five and two. So okay. I'm going to say Bengals in one division game. So I'm going Niners finish off five and one. Beat Seattle. Beat the Bengals. Beat the Falcons. Lose the Titans. Oh. The reason I say lose the Titans, bro, that's a Thursday night football game. You got to travel across country. It's cold. I get it. In Tennessee, Christmas, you know, December 23rd. Then you're back home versus the Texans. That should be a light game. And then you go down to L.A. And you have probably a fully healthy 49ers team by then to face a Rams team that's probably having a rough go of it because the Rams' final games are rather rough. The Rams have the Vikings. The Rams have the Ravens. The Rams have Seattle and Arizona on their schedule still. The Rams could potentially fall to third place in the division, and the Niners could be looking at a, you know the fifth seed here um, by the time it's all said and done. I did say the Niners would go 11-6 and six to begin the year and be a first-round bounce. Right now, I view them as a 11-6 and six team and getting to the second round as currently constructed. So we will see how this goes. Um, anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here, Leo? I just hope you're wrong. I hope they go all the way, but you know, that's too far ahead. That's too far ahead. I won't go there. I, not yet. Not, not yet. Like, not yet. Yeah, part of it is just like, <laughs> we all know the the concerns with the 49ers, right? Like I would feel far more comfortable if Mike McGlinchey was playing, right? I would feel far more comfortable if Jason Verrett was on the opposite side of Emmanuel Mosley. Like those things to me matter. I think you can survive with no, Raheem Mostert because we're seeing it. Um, these defensive penalties are getting really annoying. And I still wish the Niners had a second legitimate pass rusher. So unless D Ford finish up the season healthy, that's a concern. You know, the Niners are still lacking in the pass rush you know, area. Nick Bosa has 11 sacks. The nearest guy from him has three, and that's Arden Key. Like, you're not getting enough production from the defensive line. Um, you know, great job by Kevin Givens you know, on Sunday and DJ Jones, but you still need that second pass rusher, especially in the playoffs, especially versus guys like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Um, who else is in right now in the playoffs? You know, yeah, those are, those are the big ones you have to worry about. Um, so you're going to need that to hopefully make a run down the stretch here. But I think they can finish the season off five and one, go eleven and six, and get to at least the divisional round in the playoffs. And hey, it, you know, I'm just busting your balls here. When if they did make it to the NFC Championship, well. You underpromised and overdelivered yourself, so that's always a win-win. Yeah, I gotta do what I gotta do, baby. I'm, uh, you know, I'm gonna start putting <laughs> some money on these. Right, last time I did, they won big, so we'll see. Um, but as always, make sure you check out everything at Niners Nation. Check out the Niners Nation podcast network. Shout out to guy. Shout out to Rob Stats Guerrero, who's done a great job all season long. Um, we will be back next Monday um, after Seattle Seahawks and Niners game. Hopefully for another Niner win and. Hopefully another Rams loss this week. That'd be great. Um, but until Please. then, as always, I'm Javi. That is Leo. Check us out on Twitter at JavierVague underscore. Check out my guy Leo here at LeoLuna93. And then be sure to follow everything in Niners Nation and the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Um, everyone stay safe. Enjoy the rest of the week. Go Niners. Peace. <laughs>